The Pace Line is produced by The Cycling Independent, the only cycling media completely free of commercial influence. We are community-supported and dedicated to the whole of cycling. As our tagline says, if you ride bikes, you're one of us. From the Cycling Independent, this is The Pace Line, the podcast on two wheels. I'm Patrick Brady, and with me is my co-host, Patria Vandermark. Each week, we take a look at how cycling fits in our lives. How are you, Patria? I'm doing great, Patrick. Came off of a big gravel ride, social distance style, this past weekend. So yeah. I'm, I'm in a bit of a high now, having that, having that done and dusted. <laughs> Very cool. I haven't checked the weather, but I notice uh, in the camera here, you're wearing a puffy jacket. How cold is it there? I, I think we're in the 40s right now and it's raining. Oh. Except that over the weekend, it was 60 degrees and gorgeous. So, yeah. Uh, and then as soon as it's puffy jacket weather, I wear a puffy jacket and <laughs> I'll just keep this on all winter long. That's understandable. How are you doing? I'm I'm good. Uh, you know, we've got fall going here. Uh, I've got two little boys who are very excited about Halloween, even though we don't understand how to do any trick or treating. Uh, there's going to be some sort of drive through thing at a church this weekend. OK, sure. Uh, <laughs> better than nothing. Um, yeah, so that's been that's been interesting. We were carving pumpkins last night and they wanted to do things that were so complicated that we were not finished yet. We finished the pumpkins Ooh. tonight. <laughs> That's fun. Yeah. The great yeah. part of having kids is celebrating these holidays. It, it's good stuff. This is the first time they've each had a pumpkin of their own to carve and I haven't gotten involved and it's going as you would expect, more or less. Yeah. <laughs> pumpkin seeds are all over your kitchen. Yeah. Oh, um, hey, before we get into our polls, I want to let everybody know uh, we're a little bit late today uh, or this week uh, because we were supposed to have a power outage here in Northern California back at the beginning of the week. And we had to recalibrate, uh, reschedule. And so, yes, it's Wednesday instead of Monday, uh, but we're here and uh, <laughs> thanks for bearing with us. Uh, fortunately the power did not go out. Um, I was very happy about that because I didn't want to lose a refrigerator full of food again. Yeah. I've got a friend who bought a generator just for his, uh, deep freeze. Yeah, that's not a bad idea to have something like that. A couple right? of years you ago. You don't want to lose that much food. Yeah. He said he lost a couple thousand dollars with food a couple of years <laughs> ago, you know? So wow. yeah, it was like, nope, that's not happening again. Uh, of course, he can run a lot more stuff on the generator than just his big freezer, but that was the driver. You know, it's like spend a few hundred dollars on that and save all that food. So uh, I'll be happy when fire season is over. I'm not really. Well, yeah, I'm looking forward to rain. <laughs> when do you expect to get rain there? Uh, this year. So you don't have a rainy season at all then there? Oh, it's just... late fall. It will start to rain late fall, mm -hmm. early winter, somewhere in there. Uh, it will start to rain. And at that point we can 
all breathe a big sigh of relief. Uh, this has been a stressful one. And yeah. all of California's biggest riot fires have happened in the last few years. So, oh, okay. Yes. <sighs> Moving right along. So I'm going to take on a reader question this week, but it's not just any one readers. It's been our listener. It's been a few different listeners who've pinged me on this. Uh, so it concerns tire width uh, and rolling resist- resistance. But even though nobody asked, I'm actually going to expand this into discussing how tire size also affects steering geometry. It's been about six or seven years since most of the tire companies revamped their tire lines. Uh, with updated casings and rubber compounds. And that has caused a a big reduction in rolling resistance on, well, bigger tires, but also the smaller ones as well. Uh, Average Mm -hmm. road tires are a good deal quicker than they used to be. All right, Uh, let's hit a few basics. So the larger a tire's circumference, the lower its rolling resistance. However, the bigger a tire's contact patch or footprint is the higher the rolling resistance and bigger tires on, on road and gravel bikes uh, are wider and therefore have a larger contact patch. Uh, If a tire pressure is too high, the rolling resistance starts going back up because it will cause the tire to hop and slide on a rough or bumpy surface. Traditionally, the math has always shown that, rolling resistance just goes down and down and down as tire pressure goes up in reality that it turns out that's not the case. Uh, so that's one of the things that is really important to look at uh, as people are trying to find optimal pressure for their tires. So folks who are doing group rides on good pavement are still best served by running 23 millimeter tires though <laughs> Oddly enough, in some brands, 25 is their is actually their fastest tire. It, you know, we used to think that 21 millimeter tires were really quick, and no, they're not. They're slower than 23s. So don't go to the skinny skinnies, and definitely not yeah. 19. Oof, uh, those things are pigs. Uh, so that said, the initial losses in rolling resistance, say someone's tire, their 23 is faster than their 25. Those initial losses uh, aren't really significant, but the increase in grip and comfortable in going from like a 23 to a 25 or 25 to 27 uh, is really, it's, it's, it's perceptible in terms of comfort, unless someone's used to actually sliding their tires in a turn and really pushing grip, you won't notice the, uh, the improvement and traction but it's actually there. Uh, as someone who has occasionally pushed that envelope, I can attest to it. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't have gotten stitches in my mouth some years back if I'd been on 25s. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So I've talked in the past to Josh Portner, who's the CEO of Silka, and also product managers at a few of the tire companies, particularly Ken Avery of Vittoria, fellow UMass alum. Yay. Go Miniman. Uh, <laughs> uh, so th- from their studies uh, and research and, you know, anecdotally out on the road, tire pressure should drop about five PSI for every millimeter a tire grows in width. So a 25 millimeter 
if you're running 105 in your 23s, then a 25 should be about 95 PSI. A 27 millimeter should be about 85 PSI and so on. And that really does hold up all the way through 40 millimeter tires. Now, and what about the what about a rider weight? How would that impact the pressure? You do need to go up if you're if you're uh, you can. OK, so I'm 160 pounds, give or take. If somebody's 200 pounds, they are going to need to go up in pressure. I haven't gotten any feedback from anybody on just how much that should be. Uh, and, uh, you know, also, if if there's somebody out there, you know, a bantamweight woman who's 120 pounds, she can go down in pressure and not see a gain in rolling resistance. It's a great question. And, yeah, I just haven't seen a lot on how rider weight should affect it, but it definitely should. We talk about this question all the time at the bike shop. And every time we go to air up tires, this is a big question that comes up. Yeah. So I was interested in hearing your take on that. Yeah. I, I would love to get some more feedback from somebody on that. It seems like we ought to be able to come up with a good rule of thumb that way, but I, nobody shared anything with me yet. Now, for anyone who wants to increase their comfort further beyond what I was just talking about, most tires can be run 10 to 15 PSI lower than what I was just suggesting. So uh, 25, you can run it at 85. Easy. Uh, I typically run my 27s at 70 to 75. So that's a, a little lower than what is typically recommended. Um, Sometimes I've run, if I've, if my neck has been fussy, I've run the front tire as low as 65 and it still rolls awfully well. I can tell it's not as quick as if I were at the proper pressure, but our roads in Sonoma County, I'm within my rights to run that. (laughs) Yes, you are. Well, and it's also worth mentioning that the front tire does need to be lower because more of your weight is in the rear of the bike. Yes. Yes. So you can. You do that and get away with it. Your bike's still going to handle them. Right. And also you all, you also want to make sure that you've got a little more grip traction in that front wheel, because if you slide the rear wheel, you can recover that pretty easily. If the front starts moving, that's a whole lot tougher to deal with. Uh, Now, uh, one of the things to consider is anybody who's experiencing numbness in their upper body, uh, especially in their hands, and shoulders, running a little less pressure can definitely be helpful because what that's doing is reducing the amount of shock that's moving through their body. On the other side, there is literally zero benefit to running super high pressure. Back when I was racing a lot, I had teammates who would run their tires at 160 PSI in crits. That's hard to believe. Uh, Well, the funny thing is that they weren't actually any faster as a result of it. And I've seen some people wash out in turns and I I'll let other folks connect those dots if they choose (laughs) on the handling front as tire grows in size, it causes a bicycle's trail to increase. So I won't go into the math here because it gets into cosines and such. And I was never really all that good at math and there are online calculators that are actually really good at this stuff. Trail is the interplay between a bike's head tube angle and its fork rake. So 
as you increase the distance between the front axle and the ground, trail increases. The rate at which it increases isn't a strictly linear function, though. In the range of 23 to 27 millimeter tires, for every two millimeters a tire goes up in width, trail increases by one millimeter. So that increases the stability of the bike. From 30 to 35 millimeters, it's more like three millimeters to gain one millimeter in trail. And above 35 millimeters, it's more like five millimeters to increase trail by one millimeter. That's why as long as the frame and fork have clearance for big tires, it's possible to run 40 millimeter tires and not have the bike be a pig while you can also put 25s on the same bike and it won't be so nervous that you can't descend on it. I, this is a just truly, in my opinion, a miraculous piece of math, the way bicycles work. You know, and I think about gravel bikes and would I want something with, you know, traditional road bike trail uh, or, or current road bike trail is what I, I should say. A lot of the hot road bikes today Trek, uh, tracks the specialized tarmac in my size trail will be about 5.3 centimeters and mm-hmm. most gravel bikes I'm on are more like 6.2 centimeters and I you know to have a bike that's that much quicker on an off-road surface no I wouldn't much like that um, okay so in terms of choosing tires and you know, their relation to use. My bottom line is 23s or 25s for road riding. If the roads are good, given how good the 27s and 28s are, you know, you can run those and really not suffer much. And I will definitely go to 27s or 28s if the roads are lumpy or potholed. For places where people are doing gravel riding and there isn't a lot of rock, where it's a reasonably smooth surface for the most part, you can do 32s, go up to 35, and those are pretty quick. But if you're dealing with rocky roads uh, or places where uh, the rocks are sharper and you risk uh, punctures, I prefer to see something more like 38 to 40 millimeters. Around here, I really try never to run anything smaller than a 38 if I'm sent mm-hmm. a 35 to review, I'll, I'll ride it. Uh, but it's back off the <laughs> bike. Bigger. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I, you know, and part of it is I can tell the difference in rolling resistance between a 35 and a 40. I can definitely feel that out on the road, but once I'm off road, the gains in terms of traction and, uh, flat resistance and, uh, overall comfort, it just makes it totally worthwhile. Sure. It would be nice to live someplace where I could run 35s and not worry about pinch flats, uh, you know, cutting the sidewall on the rim uh, by hitting a rock because um, I am running tubeless. Mm-hmm. But that's <sighs> the guys who are running 33s and 35s around here flat a lot more than I do. That's what I'll say. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that means a lot that you're not flatting. Yeah, I notice you're not you are you aren't mentioning yet the 650B and larger tire sizes in your list. That's so, getting hot. Yeah. Um, okay. So 650B, I know people have made all sorts of strange claims. It's slower. It's just plain slower. Uh, 
but you can get a bike that is nimble uh, and very comfortable by going to 650. Um, I, I just, I don't see the point of it. Part of it for me is because I'm dealing with so much rock. I want a wheel that rolls over stuff as easily as possible. And so any reduction in tire uh, circumference does me no good with the rock around here. Mm-hmm. Um, you were talking, oh, and, and bigger tires, you know, for bike packing, I would definitely go even bigger. But in my experience around here, going from say 40 to 45 or 50, I haven't seen the, the increase in rolling resistance is so great. Um, but I gained so little in terms of traction and flat resistance that unless I was doing some bike packing, I don't, I don't see the need for it where I'm riding. I'm not going to say that there isn't a circumstance where, uh, an unladen bike can't benefit from that, but it hasn't been my experience so far. There's, there's kind of nothing I haven't been able to do on an unloaded bike with a 40. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now you're in the Boston area, which is to say some of your roads are in goodness gracious, bad shape. <laughs> <laughs> That's being generous. <laughs> um, but you're, uh, for the most part, your gravel riding isn't crazy rocky like mine. So I'm wondering about your tire choices and, and how you go with tire pressure. So that's interesting. I'm going to be talking more about gravel riding in a bit. Um, the gravel riding we have out here in the Boston area is more mixed terrain. So rocks, roots, more single track kind of riding mm-hmm. that is very different from Western Mass. Um, so the tires that most people here are running now on the road are 28 millimeters. It it felt like we almost jumped over 25 from 23 millimeter <laughs> it tires. It's it's been impressive, and people are using the 28s for a lot of the smoother dirt as uh, people uh-huh. are traveling up into New Hampshire and Maine and doing smooth dirt roads. So the 28s have have definitely experienced a lot of popularity there. And then for the trails and what we tend to call mixed terrain, because that's more of what we're doing here. It's definitely 40 has been vastly the the, the popular choice for mm-hmm. most people with. And then I had talked about the 650B that's starting to gain more popularity. And I think there's a lot of curiosity questioning as to whether or not someone should have that as a wheel set in their quiver. Hmm. So, yeah, so there's there's more and more coming out there. I think what who what tires the tire builders are making is making a big difference as to what people are choosing. And you're absolutely right with the rubber getting better, the compounds getting better. It's just really fun to try different tires and and different wheels. So there's a certain amount of just keeping it interesting. Yeah, absolutely. I love, you know, somebody as long as somebody's coming out with a gravel tire in the 38 to 40 range, uh I really enjoy trying new tires and there's an awful lot out there. There's so much choice based on the kind of riding that you're doing that I can actually see somebody having multiple sets of wheels with different gravel tires, as well as a set of wheels with road tires. Uh, Right. That, yeah, I can totally see that at this point. Um, Yeah. Goodyear's doing some great stuff. Specialized Mm -hmm. has some great stuff. Uh, Donnelly sports, what used to be Clement, 
Uh, they've got some absolutely amazing tires, but yeah, not many people know about what Goodyear is doing because they're relatively recently re-entered into, uh, or maybe it's their first entry. Yeah, I might, I, I should go back and double check that, but yeah, Goodyear's entry into the market recently, they haven't gotten a whole lot of traction, haha, with, <laughs> with their line, but they're, they're doing a couple of different tires, particularly the connector that is just mm-hmm. fantastic. Uh, it's, I'd say comparable to the Donnelly sports, uh, explore MSO. Yes. Yes, it is. It's very similar tread pattern on that. Yeah. I love that one on the rock around here. It's, it's neat. Uh, and it still rolls, rolls pretty well on pavement. So it's a, it's a good all around tire. Terrific. Well, we've got a new bike going home this weekend with those tires on it. And we discovered those when we couldn't find the Donnelly MSO Explorer in stock. So that looked like a really good choice based on on the tread and other specs of the tire. So I'm glad to hear your positive review of it. Yeah. And I mean, I've really I've ridden those tires hard, hard enough to actually occasionally ping a rim against a rock uh, because I was I won't call it reckless, but I was descending rather quickly. Um, <laughs> but they didn't flat, you know, you get the ding and it's like, oh, this could go bad. Yeah, right. <laughs> You're ready to start breaking. And then it's like, mm, I'm not getting any tire squirm. OK, back on the gas. Good to go. Yeah. Yeah. All righty. Well, why don't we move on to your poll? Well, now we're talking about gravel and riding the rough stuff. I'm addressing the roadies out there who are interested in getting into gravel. And maybe you're not interested yet. This is a discussion of what to do to get into gravel. And you may have friends who are also people you're interested in bringing with you if you're already a gravel rider. Uh, it's you're it's. You very likely know people who are riding dirt. So this hopefully will apply to everyone. This is certainly a gravel ride riding time of year. I mean, at this point, gravel is now all year long and it's also across the country. I was thinking back to a conversation we had in an earlier podcast and I was revisiting really good memories of doing terrific mixed terrain and gravel riding in Georgia. Mm. Which is a place you might not consider going, but we found some of the most wonderful dirt riding there. And also in South Carolina, trails that go on for hours, like you describe in California. Uh-huh. So this is this is riding you're going to find all over the country in, in various forms. Yeah. So and all ages and abilities of, of people are getting into gravel riding. It's really attracted a wide variety of folks who really want to have fun on their bikes and also those who have a competitive spirit with all of the gravel events, which are happening now. They're a little less regulated. Everyone's letting their hair down a little bit more. (laughs) So that's that's really nice because you're seeing this convergence of so many different types of people who are all out there for their own reasons. So what is gravel cycling? In every area of the country, it's something different. In a lot of places, it's just, and when I just say just, I I don't mean to belittle dirt roads, but smoothish dirt roads. 
And then in the other areas, it's fire roads that are chunkier with rocks and maybe deeper divots. Something like what was showcased at, in Kansas, for mm-hmm. example, for the DK. Those, that's really rough dirt roads where you need to have the 40 millimeter tires, like what you're talking about, or possibly larger. In many other areas, like Boston area here, as I was explaining earlier, we have double track, single track. It's the type of terrain where people used to ride their mountain bikes, and a lot of people still do, except that a mountain bike is more bike than you actually need. A gravel bike, with its fully rigid frame and fork, fork, is pretty well suited for, for this type of terrain. So, and also the, the narrower tire. Like you don't need so much tire as you were explaining earlier. So what I'm suggesting here is to take your road bike out on some of this terrain, whatever's close to your house, you're, you're not going too far and see what you think. Because everyone now is talking about gravel bikes and all this gravel specific, specific stuff. Uh, gravel specific tires and all this sort of thing you don't need a gravel bike to ride on dirt true Uh words right and you were mentioning in a previous podcast how you used to ride with your 25 millimeter tubulars in northampton well that was years ago before gravel was a category of cycling and before anything was aimed toward it because you can you can do this on your road bike and sure, it's going to be more challenging if you're riding 23 millimeter tires, but it's not impossible. There's nothing that makes it off limits to you. So you're going to get away from traffic. And that's one really big reason why gravel riding is getting so popular. Amen. There are fewer cars on dirt roads than on paved roads. And the speeds are slower as well. You'll see nature and you're just really likely to enjoy being out there. If you don't enjoy it, it's safe to assume that you probably just don't have the right equipment. I would suggest just taking take just taking a step back and getting out there and trying it. One of the first things you could do, and you can do this with your road bike, is to get SPD mountain pedals. I'm suggesting the Shimano SPD pedals because they are very easy to find. The cleats are easy to get. And there are certainly other builders out there who make perfectly fine pedals, but these are the best and the most standard. And get yourself a nice pair of mountain bike shoes that are comfortable. You can put these on your road bike. That's going to change everything significantly. It's just so much easier when you run into a rock or a place you want to walk. You can just jump off your bike, get around whatever it is, and get back on. It's easy to clip in. Um... Doing that with road pedals is exhausting. It's a little harder to get in and out. It's not as safe. So that's a very low budget way of making your road bike a gravel bike. Well, and let's be honest that there are an awful lot of road pedals out there that if you get the cleat muddy, you're not getting back in. Correct. Yes. (laughs) In fact, I recently saw it. I'm going to call him out Ted King in a video stuck in his speed play pedals, which if anyone has ridden speed play pedals, you know that they do not do well with dirt at all. Uh, so you definitely don't want to be out there. And I was impressed because this was a video taken just a few months ago. And there he was falling off of his bike stuck in his speed play pedals. 
Oh. So <laughs> I can I couldn't believe of all the the gravel events he's done, he's he was still riding speedplay pedals. I would assume that has something to do with sponsorship, but I'll I'll let him respond to that. Well, they make a great off-road pedal though. The scissor is an amazing pedal. So he didn't need to be running zeros. And maybe he was. I'm not I'm not totally sure which ones he was he was riding. I know he was riding speedplay for, for sure. <laughs> Um, and stuck in them. And I have gotten stuck in speed play pedals. I used to ride them and it was, it's a, it's a fairly dangerous situation when you can't clip out and you're in the middle of traffic and trying to take a left-hand turn. So uh, take a couple extra tubes with you when you're taking your road bike off into the woods and you can see your chances of flatting are greater for sure. That's one of the reasons why you want to go with a bigger tire. Like everything Patrick was just saying. That you want to have more air volume between you and the ground for comfort, but also so that you're not going to be pinching your tube. And feel free to continue to use tubes. You do not need to go tubeless. And I know the whole world is talking about tubeless. You really don't need to go tubeless. And there's actually some good reasons not to, which maybe I'll talk about someday. Uh, And many road bikes run up to 28 millimeter tires. They'll almost always be able to fit under any standard brake caliber that SRAM or Shimano or Campy makes. So unless your frame clearances don't allow for a 28 millimeter tire, you probably can get a slightly bigger tire in your road bike. So something that's really important is to take your expectations of speed away. So since you're coming from road and you're a roadie, it probably means that you really enjoy seeing what your average is during a ride. You might be racing Strava segments. And if you have a certain average speed that's lower than your typical average, it's been a bad day. Gravel is going to make you just get that out of your head. It's, it's a very healthy thing to do. Trust me. <laughs> so that's the, the, all gravel riding is significantly slower. Some of the fastest gravel riders that I know, for example, the event that I helped run this past weekend, it was called the Trail Mix 200. We had a 200 mile version of this gravel ride. And riders who did it said that it is harder than Dirty Kanza. So very challenging. With less with less sunlight. Let's (laughs) let's be clear about this. Oh Riders started at midnight and finished between 6 p.m. and 10 p.m. or 6 p.m. and 9 p.m. We had a, <gasps> a very, very solid, fast set of people who did that. I, I believe we had nine riders who finished that distance. And in our routes, we have trails and we have rough roads. And right now they're all also covered in leaves, which adds an <laughs> extra layer of complication trying to see these rocks under leaves in the dark of night. The riders did this 200 mile ride and in that many hours, and we had a shorter version of the route as well. It was 100K. So that brought out a, a great number of riders, 175 people showing up to an event that was socially distanced was incredible. That was terrific. So even for the shorter route, because um, I'm trying to put context around speed is... I believe the fastest rider would have been about 14 or 15 miles per hour on the shortest distance. Mm-hmm. And we're talking very fast, very accomplished riders are doing this. So can you imagine if that's their fastest speed, 
someone who prides themselves in riding 16 miles per hour on the road is going to be like seven or eight, maybe on on a gravel ride, depending on the terrain. So that's again, this is this is healthy, taking our minds out of expectations for a ride. And this is what we have to do in order to have a successful ride. That's that's gone now. Now you get to think (laughs) about other things. So it's probably more now about hours that you've spent out or things you saw, maybe how many pictures you took because you saw a lot of great stuff and you're not going fast. So you might as well stop and take some pictures. Amen. Now, <laughs> right? um, so now while you're riding through the rough stuff, there are a few things that you can do to make the ride more enjoyable. You'll want to soften your elbows. A lot of people ride on the road very rigidly as it's a, it's a position you can get into and stay there for hours. Uh, when you're on gravel, you're going to want to move around your bike more. And this is somewhat a mountain bike philosophy, but we're not talking about mountain biking. You'll soften your elbows and raise up out of the saddle wherever it's rough. So one thing you really want, don't want to do is feel your saddle at the end of the day. So by using your knees for cushioning and spring action, as, as well as your elbows, you're saving the rest of your body. You'll also find out where you've got aches and pains at the end of the day. And hopefully <laughs> there's a way of managing that. And it, it, the answer at the end, at some point, when you're really enjoying this dirt thing, is you're going to end up with a gravel bike with the bigger tires and everything else. But you can do all of these things to to start getting into it now. Um, you're also going to want to take your weight off the handlebars when you want to roll your tire over something. This is one reason why gravel positions are typically, I would say generally a centimeter up and a centimeter back, or the the reach is about a centimeter shorter, so that your weight is off of the front tire. So this is when you're taking your performance road bike to the woods. You really want to lean back to get the weight of your head and your shoulders back off of that front wheel. That will also help you from some front flats that you might get otherwise. <laughs> and, and don't try to do anything fancy. Don't lean your bike. That's something we do as roadies is we lean into corners and we, we corner really at the side. We're really putting a lot of weight against the tire, which might make you skitter off the road. If you're on the, the pavement, you're going too fast. Well, when you're on leaves and rocks and dirt, you want to have your center of gravity over the tires and you want to really try to stay above on the bike so you steer from the handlebars not from leaning the bike over this time of year especially you're going to find sticks in the woods again with leaves covering everything you don't know what you're rolling over but when you see a stick or something you think you need to avoid either avoid it completely or roll right over the center of it I have seen so many derailers ripped off of bikes, and it's almost always because someone's trying to avoid a stick, and they catch the very edge of it, and then the stick pops right into the spokes of the bike, and then the stick takes out the derailleur, and in the example, unfortunately for someone this past weekend, he got a nice big stick in his spokes, and the spokes didn't break, but his frame did. (gasps) So, because that stick just went right around and jammed. So that can definitely happen. They'll either avoid it completely or just be deliberate. And if you hear something in your bike, stop immediately. 
never, never try to pedal through anything. And I think that's another something that roadies tend to bring to gravel riding. That's a bad habit. It's the, oh, if you just keep pedaling, whatever it is, is going to go away. It's going to let itself out. <laughs> I've never done that. <laughs> of course not. No, none of us have ever done that. And more, more derailers are lost in that manner than pretty much any other. So, um, so those are just a few things to keep in mind. There's a lot more, but as you get into gravel riding, you'll be doing it with others and everyone has a lot of advice. You don't want to take all of it, but you also don't need to take all the advice you hear on the internet either, or from your podcasters, (laughs) things like tire pressure. I think one of the best things you can do is experiment, see what works for you. And you're absolutely right about tire pressures, lowering them. You're a lighter rider, lower it a little bit, see what happens. Keep lowering it until you start bottoming out. Then you know you've gone too far. And that's that's how I've figured it out for myself. And it's interesting how many times I find I'm refiguring it out. Because mm-hmm. like, oh, today is a little different. Whatever, we're, we're in a different place. I want a different amount of pressure. And I tend to change my tires a lot. Also, I do a lot of tire testing and experimentation and I'm forever recreating that wheel of figuring out hmm, which which is the tire pressure today so yes it's a conversation that lasts on and on and on and you and your riding friends will have hours to talk about tire pressure as you're out there in really pretty places so so there's there's a lot a lot to gravel riding which i think also interests riders there's a lot of equipment there's a lot of gear there's so much that you can get in 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 the world of of gravel riding so eventually you are going to end up with the bigger tires as i mentioned you're probably going to end up with a gravel bike and if you get a frame that allows your tires to stay on the ground which has a little bit of of suppleness to it if i'm not using the exact right word you want stiffness but not too much stiffness and that is a big problem with frames if they ride really fast in the parking lot, they may beat you up over the duration of a gravel ride. I would highly recommend titanium, that it's the best material suited for a gravel bike because it's durable and it has the ability to keep its tires planted. So it gives you a lot more stability and comfort that you're looking for. So with this, you have the foundation for a really great gravel ride. And the beginnings of a great gravel life, hopefully. <laughs> so, Patrick, what else would you recommend for a new to gravel rider? Well, the big thing that you noted was, you know, so many bikes can handle a bigger tire than what people would ordinarily run for road riding. There are there are an awful lot of carbon fiber bikes that can handle 28s. Certainly the Durace calipers and Altegra calipers uh, can can accommodate a 28. Some frames out there uh, will actually accompany, uh, accommodate uh, a 30 millimeter tire. I believe the current Roubaix and some of the other similar bikes can handle up to 32s. If you can put a 32 on your bike, there's an awful lot of places you can go. You just might need to back off some if you run into some rocks. but at that point you can really it's it's a much more go anywhere bike and so to your point of people can try this without a huge investment and you know yeah 
shoes and pedals, great, but that could be a three, four hundred dollar investment. Two tires with some other tubes, that's maybe $120. So it's a it's a great opportunity to give it a try, see what it's about. Uh, the other thing is I would definitely recommend people not to just sign up for your first gravel event and go out and do it, but take some time to do some rides before entering your first event. Something that I've seen repeatedly at the grasshoppers are roadies who come out and try to take a corner as they would uh, on the road. And they come rolling into one of the rest stops with a shoulder that's tan colored uh, or, or maybe oh. deep brown. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, okay, they've, they've been on the ground. I do lean the bike in corners, but what I do is I try to make sure that my weight is still over the contact patch. Uh, the speed that I take some of the turns at, if I tried to just steer it through, I don't, I, I would have to break more. That's the only answer. Um, at slower speeds, certainly. Yeah. You can steer through an awful lot when I'm on single track, uh, as, as happens on a few of the grasshoppers at that point. Yeah. It's very much steering and not really cornering, but the, the bigger fire roads with the more sweeping turns, I'm trying to stay off the brakes, but as I lean the bike, I make sure to shift my weight inward so that the saddle is against my inside thigh. Uh, and I'm trying to keep my weight. Uh, I've got my outside pedal down and I'm trying to keep my weight over the contact patch. Uh, it's the same thing you're, you're trying to do in mountain biking of lean the bike, keep your body still. Don't lean your whole body into the turn with it. Um, and that also makes you, if your body's staying over the bike, it makes you quicker to react in terms of going into successive turns. Every time you've got to swing your bike from one side, uh, swing your body from one side to the other, that takes more time in terms of setting up for the next turn. So I, yeah, you've made some great recommendations. Uh, and it, yeah, there's just so much to be gained by being out there and away from everybody else. I love the feeling of just being out in nature and it doesn't hurt to know that somebody texting their B BFF can't run me over. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's become a real big conversation amongst most, yeah. most writers and concerned family members who yeah. want to know that their loved one is not out on a biz big, busy road. And you say, Hey, I'm going on a gravel ride that lets everyone feel a bit more comfortable about, about the riding situation. Yeah. I mean, my parents still, I mean, I, you know, I'm a fully grown adult with children and my parents still get on me about my road riding. So I, you know, I will tell them that I'm spending less time on the road and mm -hmm. doing this other stuff yep. and it helps some. <laughs> <laughs> right. And they don't quite understand it because they're not there, which I think yeah. is one of the big things with road riders who aren't getting into gravel who say, yeah, I'm not interested in getting on dirt. Because I think a lot of people are thinking about mountain biking. And I'm, uh, I was a road cyclist in Colorado. I raced competitively there. And I did not want to go on dirt because I had a few situations or situation. I wouldn't say that. I had a few mountain bike rides where I felt like if I did the wrong thing, I could fall off the side of a mountain. So I equated dirt to being terrified. And I never want to mm. feel terrified on a bike. I always want to enjoy my time on a bike. 
And that's what I found with gravel riding. It's always fun. It's just always great. And it doesn't matter what kind of conditions there are. There's always someone around you can laugh with, talk to. It's just a different dynamic. It's a very different atmosphere. Absolutely. Uh, That's one of the things I love about doing the gravel events. I tell people, you can't beat me because I'm not racing against you. I'm there to see what I can do. Mm -hmm. And in that regard, gravel events are more like running marathons than anything else there is in cycling. Yeah. You know, there's a mass start, you know, the gun goes off, we all go out together. And three hours later, whoever is next to you, you know, has ridden just as hard as you have to get there. And I love that. It really, it really does a lot for the camaraderie. It does. And not every gravel event is a race. For example, our Trail Mix 200 that we did was a gravel ride series. No numbers, no timing, no racing. So it was about just being out there. And yes, the riders who did the 150 mile or the 200 mile are getting little statues to commemorate their ride. But (laughs) there, there was no clock. And yet we had a huge turnout because a lot of people don't need the clock. That's cool. Alrighty. Well, what do you say? Paceline picks? Paceline picks? Let's do it. Alrighty. What do you have this week? Well, today I'm talking about the Crank Brothers F15 multi-tool, which hmm. at this point in my multi-tool life is my favorite. It's also back in stock. If uh, retailers want <laughs> to buy it, thank goodness it's back in stock. I missed it when it was out of stock. I sold my personal one to someone who needed a multi-tool, so I've been missing it. The reason why I like this tool is it has a lot in it and it's a small tool. So it doesn't feel like you're adding too much weight to your bike. It it is a very compact tool. It has its own case, which is a a metal, aluminum metal case, which keeps it clean. It keeps it away from, you know, cutting your tubes. Not that you should ever have a tube next to anything that's metal. Uh, but the case itself is also very nice because you can use it, you can flip it around and then use it as a handle. So, for example, on this tool, there's an eight Allen, uh, hex wrench, which is the size you need to take a pedal on or off your bike. But with most multi-tools, you don't have the leverage to be able to get that pedal on or off. I mean, yes, you always have the leverage to get it on. You just probably don't have the strength to get it off. So you can use the the case of the tool to to serve as that function oh that's great yes it's nice also in the case is a bottle opener which is never a bad thing to have on you <laughs> other hex uh, hex wrenches that are included are two two and a half a three four five six now all those numbers maybe they don't mean anything to you but i would suggest getting the tool and then going home and try out every bolt in your bike and see if it fits because you're going to only really use this multi-tool when you're out on the trail and you need or the road and you need to use it so just a pro tip is make sure to use it make sure every bolt on your bike is accounted for with the tools that you have on your tool and it also has a torx a t25 which is common with many stems use that bolt size And it's a real bummer when you get out there and you don't have that size tool because (laughs) you'll strip it with a four because you're going to think it's a four that you need. And then you end up ruining that bolt and then you can't get it either tighter or looser, depending on what you're trying to do. Another wonderful thing about this tool is it has an eight to 12 speed chain breaker. 
which means it's going to be able to break your chain and the chains of all of the friends that you're riding with. So you should always pack for yourself, but also for the people you might be riding with who you might need to help alongside the road. That's that's a wonderful thing to have as well. And it has spoke wrenches in it and screwdrivers. So it's just it's just a wonderful small tool that has everything you really need and a multi-tool. Yeah. There we go. Very cool. I, the only thing I can think of that I've run across a bike in the last few years that it doesn't have is a 10 millimeter, which is required for some cranks. Not very many anymore, but every now and then you'll find a crank arm that needs a 10. That's a good point. And those would be the crank arms that might loosen on their own while you're out riding. And I'm guessing you're speaking from experience. No, I've never had that happen. <laughs> <laughs> if something can go wrong on a bike, I've been there. Mm-hmm. I've I, The only thing I haven't done is uh, break a carbon fiber frame on a ride. Well, that's good. I'm glad to hear you haven't had that experience yet. Yeah. I shouldn't well, have used the word yet. <laughs> Hopefully you never have that experience. <laughs> Right. Shooting for not having that happen. Patrick, so what is your pick for this week? Well, uh, speaking of gravel, (laughs) my my pick this week is a gravel bike that I just reviewed for the Cycling Independent. It's the Vista from Factor. And Factor is a relatively new brand, but that's because before the Factor brand was launched, the factory that these bikes come out was... uh, working on a strictly contract basis. So they were making bikes for other brands. They partnered, for instance, with brands like Cervelo and their engineers were instrumental in working with the engineers at Cervelo to develop the R3. So these guys know how to make a great bike. And the Vista is remarkable for a few reasons. One is that it is a a noticeably aero bike. It's got an unusual steer and completely internal cable routing an integrated bar and stem. Uh, the, uh, the seat stays are pretty low profile as you'd find in an aero bike. So it, it has some, some benefits that way, which if you're doing an event like a grasshopper, where you're going to be going back and forth between dirt and road, getting in a pace line at 26 miles an hour, this bike's actually going to be kind of handy. Uh, let's see what else it's got clearance for 40 millimeter tires. And, I can't tell you how many alleged gravel bikes I've come across that can't handle anything bigger than a 35. So the fact that it can have 40s and still has room for maybe a 43, uh, possibly a skinny 45 if you've got a narrow rim. Um, So that that flexibility is really handy. I found the handling due to it having a lower than usual bottom bracket and relaxed trail gave it a very calm demeanor on the road while still being really nimble on single track when I would get it off road. And yes, I rode this on single track. It was great fun. Uh, So I'll include a link to my review in our show notes. Terrific. So what tires were on that bike since we've been talking about tires? (laughs) Uh, A set of wheels I have set up with the Goodyear connector. Since I can run 40s, I was making sure to run 40s. Nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that bike is, is really something, uh, I've thought about maybe selling off some stuff to see if the frame set can stick around. (laughs) (laughs) I like it that much. Yeah. Alrighty. Well, you know, we've got a weekend coming up. It's fall there, but it's raining. Do you have anything cool yourself you're going to be doing? 
this weekend, yes, yes. In fact, every full moon, we do a night ride at Ride Headquarters. And this Saturday happens to be Halloween and a full moon. So this is a ride that's on your calendar already because you see the full moon on there, which we're riding. So the timing is perfect. So we're going to do a gravel slash mountain slash fat bike ride. It's on the trails behind the shop. We'll be out there for about an hour and a half, two hours. We're going to hit some haunted old insane asylum buildings and come back for fires, s'mores, drinks, you name it. And it will be socially distanced. It will be safe. And everyone's going to have a great time. So I have that to look forward to this weekend on the heels of last weekend, which I'm still a bit tired from. But (laughs) there's nothing like a full moon night ride. There's something about night rides that I absolutely love. It's very, very energizing. So that's what I'm looking forward to. How about you? Uh, Just my usual rides. Uh, Like I said, the boys are going to do a little trick-or-treating at a church in a drive-thru fashion. (laughs) I don't really know how that's going to work out, but... I'll find out, uh, you know, it's pretty much just the usual for me. Uh, there haven't really been any events for me to go to and I'm, I'm missing my friends, but I get to see a few every Sunday, basically. Oh, that's good. Yeah. I think everyone's really missing everybody else. And we've said this time and time again, it's, it's going to be really important to stay outside, keep your friends writing. I've certainly started to call friends and start to make ride plans where I usually don't do that because I'm very busy, but I'm making sure to make time to do that because it's so important for all of us to stay connected so that that's starting to become more and more critical. And I'm hoping other people are going to start doing the same thing. Reach out to your friends. Don't let this become the end of the season yet. It's too early and there's no reason not to still be outside together. Amen. Yeah. Alrighty. Well, that's a wrap on another episode of the pace line. Everybody, keep those questions coming. You all have been sending some great stuff. If you've got an idea, please drop by the Cycling Independent and put a suggestion in the comments. We hope you've enjoyed the show. And if you have, please leave us a good review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It makes us easier for other listeners to find. Until next week, I'm Patrick Brady with Patria Vandermark. Thanks for listening to The Pace Line.